have. And today didn't rise up and call her blessed, but it's awesome, too, to honor the Father uh, because that's one of the things we're commanded to do as children as well in Ephesians chapter 6, and that comes with a, a blessing. Of course, that's taken from the Old Testament. And so I wanted to just have the, the fathers that are in the room stand. That would include grandfathers and fathers, uh, uh, great-grandfathers. If you can, stand. If you can't, I understand. You may remain seated. And I want to just read a passage of Scripture to you and uh, just kind of mention a few things. This is not the message. This is just a, just kind of by way of introduction. First, I just want to honor you. Let's give them a, a round of applause. Amen. Uh, Father's Day is, um, man, I tell you, it's, it's, it can be, for some people, it's painful, you know, both for a father, if you haven't been a good father, or if you've, if you've had a bad father, uh, you know, from the other side, a child doesn't really feel like honoring their father. And I think these men in this room uh, are honorable men, and, and the Bible has a few things to say about this. It's clear about a few things. So I just want to kind of talk to the dads that are standing this morning. And uh, I just want to honor you and thank you and, and want to read a passage of Scripture and comment on a few things as we go through this. It won't take long. Uh, Proverbs chapter 23 is where I'm going to be in verse 22. Uh, the Bible says, Hearken unto thy father that be, begat thee, and despise not the mother, thy mother when she is old. And as fathers, I just want to, I just want to charge you, in essence, to... I just pray that each of you have a rich relationship with the Heavenly Father. It's so important for all of us. I was sitting this morning thinking about the, the father figures in the church body that have been in my life uh, recently. I've been thinking a lot about Joe Sparks and some others. And, and you know, these even though they're not my father, right, my earthly father, uh, and they're not the heavenly father, God puts these father figures in your life that you go back and you think about, and, uh, and they contribute to you. And, you know, one of the things that makes those men that have gone on special in my heart, and those that are here, I think there's several I could go through, Walt kind of start listing names, uh, several others, but... Uh, is that they had a walk with the, the Lord, right? So they, they, they kept a tight relationship with God the Father. Proverbs uh, 23 and verse 23 says, buy, buy the truth and sell it not, also wisdom and instruction, understanding. And I just want to pray over you men that you stand uh, today um, and that you are in heavily invested not only in prayer but in the Word of God and uh, you know claiming those promises that God has for you because it affects all those that are following you. It goes on to say, The father of the righteous shall greatly rejoice, and, and he begetteth a wise child shall have joy of him. And I do pray that there's fruitfulness in all of your lives as fathers, that God blesses you with spiritual and uh, physical fruit. Uh, and it goes on in verse 25 and says, Thy father and thy mother shall be glad, and she, shall, she that bear thee shall rejoice. And so regardless of your age, uh, uh, I pray the life that you live in honor of your heavenly father uh, reflects well on the parenting, uh, the, the actual raising of children, because the Lord knows how important it is in our society to have men that, that, that fill the gap as fathers. Fatherhood is very much under attack, and, uh, and it's, it's because it's a reflection of God the Father. And so I pray that this will be a blessing for you today. I hope you got your donuts, and, uh, because if you're a dad, you need a donut. And if you missed it, you can get one on the way out in the foyer, but those donuts are for you. And then uh, all the rest of us can get the scraps. But anyway, uh, so I just want to, if you remain standing, let's just have a word of prayer with these fathers. And you can join me in your hearts. Heavenly Father, we just want to pray over these men and what they represent. Uh, Lord, I, there's men in the room, too, that are fathers, and spiritually speaking as well. I just, I want to include them, whether they're standing or not. People that invest the word of God in the next generations. And 
Lord, I do want to pray over these men that you protect them, that you provide for them, or that you foster in each and one of every father's heart, your heart, Lord, your heart to uh, just love um, people, uh, to love our wives if we're married, to, to care for our families, to really love the word of God and to be fervent in prayer. Uh, Lord, not for what we need, but what for others need. And so help us to be like you, to think and look on the needs of others. Help us to be like you, Heavenly Father. I pray, God, a blessing on each and every one of these men and their, their families, their children, their grandchildren, in some cases great-grandchildren, maybe even great-great-grandchildren. Oh, Heavenly Father, thank you for that posterity and that heritage, and thank you for what these men mean to our culture. When the church is a pillar and ground of truth, it does need men that take care of their wives and takes care of their children and takes care of the business that you've called them to and work hard in the spirit of God to accomplish the mission of God and the power of God for the glory of God. It makes a difference in our communities, in our culture, and in the kingdom of God. And so, Father, uh, we just pray this morning, and all that's said and that's done, that you are glorified, and these men, uh, Lord, not only receive a blessing, but are a blessing. We just thank you, and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. Thank you this morning for, for being here, and again, I appreciate you men uh, that are here today as fathers. So, uh, if you have your Bibles, we turn to the book of Malachi, chapter 4. And uh, if you don't have a Bible, uh, feel free to grab one from the seat rack that's in front of you. And you can turn to page 1,271. 1,271. And our text this morning is, is one that it's really been on my heart for a long time. Uh, the, the difficulty for me today is not having something to say. It's having to say what needs to be said. Because I could go on a whole ser- sermon series, I'm sure. Matter of fact, I know I could do that, so I'm not doing that. I'm going to say, hopefully, by God's grace, what needs to be said this morning, um, and uh, he'll filter out anything that I want to say uh, and, and replace with what he once said. There's a lot here in Malachi chapter 4. There's a lot in the book of Malachi. So let me just give you an overview of the book of Malachi this morning as we uh, are turning to chapter 4 of the book of Malachi. Uh, Malachi is a book written for the people in a time similar to this. Uh, many of you know the last book of your, if you're looking for Malachi, it's the last book of the Old Testament. So if you're in like Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, just back up to the last book of the Old Testament. That's the book of Malachi. And after God gives this book, it goes silent for 400 years. And so <clears throat> uh, this is a time when Malachi lived. It was about 100 years after the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And it was a time when God wanted to make Israel great again. I mean, it was God's desire. He wanted Israel to be great again. Uh, but people, people had a hard heart. And they were disobedient. <clears throat> so Malachi opens with a declaration of God's love for the children of Israel. It, it, he, he comes right out of the chute in Malachi 1. We'll look at this a little bit later, but I'm going to just mention it. I think they'll probably have it on the screen. Malachi chapter 1 and verse 2, the Bible says, I have loved you, saith the Lord. Yet you say, wherein hast thou loved us? The people of God had forgotten about the, really the love of God for them. And, and so God responds, Was not Esau Jacob's brother, saith the Lord? Yet I loved Jacob, and I hated Esau, and I laid his mountains and his heritage waste for the dragons of the wilderness. He's saying, Did not I give Jacob and his boys the, the promised land? Uh, and uh, don't you know that I love you? So this exchange is indicative of the, the back and forth that goes on throughout the epistle or the letter that was written, that was given through Malachi in chapters 1 through 3. And it exposes really the sin in chapters 1 and 2. And then it confronts their sin in chapter 3 and starts giving prophecies 
of how God's going to reconcile, which ultimately is what I'm going to talk about this morning. So in essence, like today, the, the people of God are questioning God's character and they're questioning his goodness. One of the things that God has done in my life early on in the ministry uh, is, is just really firm up that reality in my life is you don't question God's character. The first difficult years of planting a church, I, I just really was like every day I would say, God is good. God is good. And I, I knew it and I believe that. I believe that today. When you go through difficult times, remember... His character never fails. He is good. And so don't look narrowly upon the Lord. Israel was looking narrowly or looking at the Lord, their, their God, their father, as though he was in dishonor instead of honor. Now, obviously, his physical fathers, I'm sure my kids, and, and, uh, and you know, they can say, man, dad's not altogether perfect, right? I know they can say that, right? So all of us fathers know we're made out of clay and we're not perfect. Um, but you know what? Our father in heaven is, and he is good all the time. And so Israel forgot that. And they had forgotten that God had done so much for their generations. I mean, not that long ago. I mean, we're talking, yeah, he delivered them from the wilderness. He did a lot to get them there. He brought them David. He brought them the kingdom. They went into captivity. He brought them out. But, man, they're not far, 100 years away from when God restored worship in Jerusalem, which was a major deal. So it wasn't like God was some distant, distant thing. Sort of like us, right, where we live today. Right now we live in a culture where God's just kind of marginalized. But it wasn't very many years ago where God was really the, the, central, um, the central force. And waves of revival across, I'll just speak about across our, our particular nation. And uh, right here in the Midwest in particular even. God has brought revival wave after revival wave through the Midwest and across the country over the last couple hundred years, really. But now it's kind of fading, isn't it? And uh, in the public discourse, you know, church is kind of, well, it's, it's just kind of optional. And, uh, and so that's kind of where Malachi was writing to the folks at that time. They had forgotten all that God had done in those generations past to deliver them to this great opportunity. And then they turn and they blame him for the consequences of their own sin. And you'll have to read the book, by the way, to get all the details. I'm not going to give you a sermon on the book of Malachi, but I just want to bring these things up. Because as you enter the fourth chapter, which is where we're going to be this morning, uh, you, you'll, you'll, read the, you'll see some things here in chapter 4. Because there's incredible blessings that God still wants to offer to those who would receive them. Not everybody will receive them. But he, he starts off and he says in, in chapter 4, verse 1, he says, For behold... The day cometh that shall burn as an oven, and all the proud, yea, all that do wickedly, they shall, shall be stubble. Well, that doesn't sound like very good news. And, and that day cometh shall burn them up, saith the Lord of hosts, that, that it shall leave them neither root nor branch. You know, that's called the second coming. That's actually still on the agenda, by the way. In verse 2, he goes on to say, but, here, here's the good news. This is, this is, you always look for the buts in the Bible here. Uh, it says, but unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings. I mean, just rest in that. And ye shall go forth and grow up as calves of the stall. And ye shall tread down the wicked, for they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet. In, that, in the day that I shall do this, saith the Lord of hosts. So God says, now wait a minute. My wrath is coming, but I'm going to... I'm going to give you grace. I'm going to give you peace. I'm going to, I'm going to make you victorious. 
Now, there's not a people really in the world. Israel really couldn't receive that like we can receive it as Christians. I mean, it's amazing the grace that we have. Now, it goes on to say, in the, as, we, as we'll look here in verse 4 in just a moment, remember. You see, the Lord, he tells them that there will be some who hope in him during the coming tribulation period, just before the day of the Lord, who will find well, great healing and justice, by the way, uh, in his return as he comes to establish his kingdom on this earth. And he goes on to give them this, this, uh, these things to remember. And I want you to pay attention to these. Uh, Malachi 4.4, 4, remember, remember what? Remember ye the law of Moses, my servant. Remember ye the law of Moses. Now this is particularly important to the nation of Israel because God gave Israel the law under Moses, right? So Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, the 12 sons eventually came out of, uh, out of that came Moses with the law. And, of course, then uh, we ended up having the kingdom under David. So Moses, um, his servant, is to be remembered, which I command unto him in Horeb for all Israel with the statutes and judgments. Then in verse 5, second thing to remember. Remember Moses, and then behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. So he says, now look back and remember Moses, but also look forward to something that's coming with Elijah. Now he's already, if you go back and reread Malachi, you can see in chapter 3, he's already dropping prophecies on what's going on with Elijah. And he tells the faithful children of Israel, who were not arguing with him and seeking to justify their unbelief and their, their rebellion by blaming him, they're actually submitting to him and honoring him as their father, he says, look, guys, uh, man, because you seek my word, don't forget to seek my word. Remember, Moses got the word. I've got the word. Beloved, we live in a time, I'm not even in my message, but we live in a time where people have forgotten the word, right? They have forgotten the things they need. What we need to remember today is, is the word. This is what we need to remember. And so God tells that to Israel. He says, listen, don't forget the law of Moses. Don't forget. Why? Because in the law contains all these promises. They're your promises. These are for you, children of Israel. But don't forget Elijah either. Because I, I pulled him up and I'm bringing him back in the future to help restore those of you that believe. Those of you that will remember my word. Those of you that will turn to me. Now, this is in the context of the nation of Israel. I want to be very clear here. I'm not interlacing the church here. I will have devotional application to the church. The church will be caught up. We will go through the, uh, we'll be in the third heaven through the tribulation. And we will return at the end of the tribulation. While that's going on up there, these prophecies will be being fulfilled down here. Literally, literally, the nation of Israel will literally, some of them will repent at literally the preaching of Elijah in the future. Um, it's going to be an incredible thing. So some of this hasn't quite yet happened. And so he tells the faithful children of Israel who are not arguing with him to, to seek his word and, and, and uh, look back at that, but also to look forward to the prophet Elijah, right? So remember those things. So from this time forward, it was commonly understood by the Jews that they would send forth Elijah because, well, they knew that they, they all wanted Jesus to come. They hated the Romans. They didn't want the Romans ruling their country. They didn't want their governmental system messed up. And they, they, wanted to, they said they wanted to follow God. But to follow God, you actually have to adhere to the law of Moses because God's kingdom is going to be operated by the law of Moses. If you go to the Bible and read the book of Ezekiel, you'll find out that once Jesus does return, reestablish his worship in Jerusalem, 
then guess what? There, there's going to be the law of Moses that's going to operate and the laws are all going to come back and that's how the government of God on this earth is going to be executed. So he's telling his people that will believe him that are kind of upset and blaming him, like, hey, go back and remember what I said and then remember Elijah because he's coming. <laughs> and that'll give you your cue that I'm coming right behind him. All right? So, so you get that. Now, that was commonly understood. How do I know that? Because the Bible, the New Testament records that. In Matthew chapter 17 and verse 10, Jesus is talking with his disciples. And it says, And his disciples asked him, saying, Why then say the scribes and, that Elias, which is Elijah, must first come? As he's speaking about his, the day of the Lord. And Jesus answered and said unto them, Oh, Elias truly shall first come and restore all things. But he puts a but in here. But I say unto you that Elias is come already, and they knew him not but have done unto him whatsoever they listed. Likewise shall also the Son of Man suffer them. Then the disciples understood that he spake unto them of John the Baptist. John the Baptist. Now what's he got to do with this? Well, if you read Malachi chapter 4, you literally see, as we're going to look at it here in just a minute, what Malachi is prophesying was fulfilled in the lips of John the Baptist at the first coming of Christ. Because, well, the Bible is progressively revealed and God allows the free will of Israel to dictate how he's going to execute it. And he's so awesome that God can take your free will and still accomplish his sovereign will. And that's what he did with the nation of Israel. So in Matthew 11 and verse 12, Jesus says there of Elijah and John the Baptist, uh, the disciples understood it was John the Baptist because Jesus had already taught them in a previous chapter. Matthew eleven twelve is where you find that. That, that John would suffice for Elijah if the children of Israel would receive the Messiah. He's like, I'll count, I'll count John the Baptist as Elijah if you repent and you receive the Messiah. So it's Matthew chapter 11, verse 12. For you note takers, you can mark that down, cross-reference it in your margins. And, and from the days of John the Baptist until now, the kingdom of heaven, not the kingdom of God, suffereth violence, and the violent take it by force. One of the reasons you see a lot of violence in the world today is because there's a lot of struggling over the kingdom of God. It's going to continue that way. For all the prophets and all the law and pro uh, prophesied until John, and if you will receive it, this Elias, which was for to come, he that hath ears, this, I'm sorry, this is Elias or Elijah, which was for to come, he that hath ears, let him hear. So Jesus is downloading in Matthew 11 before he, they get to Matthew 17 that, oh, remember what I told you about John the Baptist? He's as good as Elijah if you receive my words, if you receive my promises, if you receive Jesus Christ as who he was, the Messiah. Now, this may, you may be going, okay, Brian, I don't have a clue what this has to do with Father's Day. Just hang with me. So John the Baptist would have been substituted for Elijah if Israel would have received Jesus as their Messiah. And, of course, they did not. So Israel uh, did not see Elijah, <laughs> but they will. Uh, or Moses again until the coming tribulation period when they fulfill Daniel's 70th week. There is coming a time where this prophecy that we see in Malachi 4 will be fulfilled literally in the coming tribulation. Uh, it's very clear in the, in the New Testament. And so what does all that have to do with Father's Day? And I'm very glad you asked. It has a lot to do with Father's Day because today, above all fathers, we need to honor the Father. And, and may God grant us the grace to seek God's word and look for the Lord Jesus Christ, being found faithful as we finish the Laodicean church age. 
You see, we, we see in Malachi a very important ending to the Bible, summarizing the law and the prophets, reminding Israel to look back to the law, look forward to the prophet Elijah, because that's going to signal his coming. And then, goes, then he goes silent for 400 years. He lays this out, and then he just goes quiet. And the next thing on the calendar is literally Jesus shows up. And you see here how this guy John the Baptist quoting the last verses of Malachi as he announces Jesus Christ as the Lamb of God that takes away the sin of the world. So certainly, there will be two witnesses. God has written the church, and we have advanced revelation in the sense that God has recorded for us in advance in the book of Revelation what's going to happen. So we've already got the end of the story. So we know in Revelation chapter 11, I'm not going to look it up this morning, but you can go back and look at Revelation 11, 3 through 11, and you'll find these two witnesses. They just happen to line up with Moses and Elijah. And uh, we don't have time to study all that this morning, but you can go back online under listen on our webpage and go back and look up chapter 11 of Revelation study, and you can go through that, and I'll lay all that out uh, in recording, and you can study that. But the verse I really want to focus on this morning is actually here in verse 6. Verse 6. And these are the last words that God has to his people Israel before Jesus' public ministry, before the silence is broken 400 years later. So let's, let's, let's start actually in verse 4, and uh, I'm going to run it down to verse... Uh, well, no, let's just start verse 5, and we'll run it down through verse 6. Behold, I will send you Elijah the prophet, I've thoroughly covered that, before the coming of the great and dreadful day of the Lord. Verse 6, And he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children... And the heart of the children to their fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. Heavenly Father, I pray this morning as we look at this passage that you would illuminate our understanding. Help us to open our eyes that we may behold wondrous things out of the, the law and the prophets and the, the, the New Testament of grace that you've given us. Lord, Heavenly Father, I pray your whole counsel would be sufficient, and it is sufficient, Lord, to uh, give us the understanding we need to, to take all of this prophecy and doctrine and make it practical and applicable in our lives but lord as we think about what a father is in an era of a lot of mixed messages a lot of mixed signals help us not to miss your word help us not to miss your patience and your long suffering with the people of the earth the people the nation of israel and lord the church itself thank you lord for your grace to us i pray god this morning this church that these fathers that these families that these children in this group, these sons of God would honor you and give you glory for your worthy, Lord. Help us not to be like those in the time of Malachi who argued with God. Help us to submit to you, Lord, and to do your will and love you and, and, and honor you. We thank you and we praise you and we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. So out of all the things that God could say and, and point out to conclude the Old Testament canon of Scripture, he chooses to point the power of God to repair through preaching of a prophet in the distance of the hearts of the fathers and the children. And this, this is why I really wanted to preach on this. I think about what in the world is going on. There is a distance, there's a disconnect between the, the hearts of the fathers and the children, right? And so why do you think that is? I mean, that literally is something that is going on in our culture. And I'm glad you asked. So we're, we're, so we're going to spend the rest of our time understanding and applying this passage to our lives because the time in which the hearts of fathers is going to be torn and rent from the children, is, is, it's upon us. At the second coming of Christ, that's what is going to be restored, is that relationship. It's going to be repaired. Now, before I move on, I do want to mention, very, very literally, this is dealing with the fathers. In Romans chapter, Romans chapter 11, 
talking about the fathers of Israel and what God promised them will eventually be reconciled with the children of Israel, yet future, when they repent and they understand that Jesus is their Messiah, then God will bring them together with one heart and one accord as Jesus being their Lord and Savior. That's when Jesus. That's the work that Jesus will accomplish in the coming tribulation for the nation of Israel. The children will return to the fathers. That's literally what the, the, that's literally what the account is talking about. But I want to just take it and lift it out because we live on the cusp of this time in history. And so we're all affected by what's literally going on as well. It's reflected in the, the fabric of the culture because fatherhood is not something that just happens in a culture because, well, that's the way it's always been. It's because this is a picture of what's going on in the Godhead. There's the Father, there's the Son, there's the Holy Ghost. And, and Satan has been actively dividing uh, since he fell. And where was that target? He was, he was wanting to divide up the Godhead. He, he took, listen to me, he took a third, one-third of the angels. You know what the angels are called? Sons of God, right? He's about dividing families. And we see the evidence of that in our culture today. There's fractured families. There's, there's fathers that are absent. There's mothers that are absent. There's families that are not whole. And listen, in any age, in any dispensation, in any time, there's always an attack on the family. Don't misunderstand that. But beloved, let me tell you, the devil is going to continue to ramp up those things. You think about James Dobson, and people, you know, I know people in my position, independent Baptists and Bible believers, have kind of, you know, oh, James Dobson, focus on the family. We need to focus on the Bible. You can say what you want about James Dobson, but you know what? He saw something. He saw the effects of what was going on, and he did something. He did something to address specifically the need in families. Why is that happening? Because there is an attack on the family, and there's an attack on the father. Not just the, nucle- not the father that's physical, the father in heaven. Before Adam was even created, there'd already been a swipe taken at the father. There'd already been a, been a rebellious cherub. And then that rebellion, he affected a third of the angels who were called the sons of God. That's the first fractured family. So for those of you that are like, man, Father's Day kind of stinks because my family's fractured. My father's not all that in the back. I, you know what? You can replace him with God in heaven. And you know what? The God in heaven understands because his family's come under attack too. As a matter of fact, what you're feeling is the same attack that he's been under. And the good news is he's bringing a solution to all those that will listen. Because he'll be your father if you let him. Okay, so the tension you feel, even today, from Marxist methods to divide and disrupt in and, and this nation. And I think a lot of people feel that right now in one way or another. You can just feel that old, that same old tension that's been used throughout the last couple centuries uh, you know, it makes all of a sudden you wonder, who's my friend? Who's my enemy? And we got to reaffirm everything and all of those things, dividing people up. So we can't expect the world to act like they're saved. So let's just start there. Don't expect lost people to act like they're saved. You can't expect anything out of lost people. Uh, and so just let that go. Love Jesus. Love people. But people begin to struggle with their identity. People start to freak out over who they are. They start to question, who am I? Who do I identify with? What group do I need to get in? All of those things start to eclipse people's hearts. Is it based on my skin color? 
Is it based on my economic status? Is it based on the country I live in? I mean, this, by the way, this equation doesn't just work with racial tension. It works with social tension. It works with all kinds of, if you go back and study the Bolsheviks, right? That's what they did with the Bolsheviks. And if you go back and study, um, you know, what happened with Hitler, that's how he became a fascist dictator. He divided the Jews from the rest of the populist movement of the Germans. And so he brought those divisions. And, and so those divisions come in to, to get control and power. Okay, we get all that. This is not a political uh, discussion. I just want to bring that up because it causes real tension. Real tension. I mean, let me, can I get, is, does it cause real tension? Yeah. I mean, people that were your buddies at work and everything, all of a sudden, you know, love them and, hey, man, high five. Next thing you know, you're like, are we good? Wasn't any tension. They didn't bring the tension and you didn't bring the tension, but now all of a sudden you're questioning, what, are we okay? Because it's intense. There's friction. There's something going on. We can't expect the world to act like they're saved, but people with the, inside the church can even begin to struggle with their identity. The past several weeks, there's been people that have been stripped of their identity, and they've been assigned to a group by the color of their skin instead of the content of their character. Yeah, I think there was somebody talking about that just like you know, 30 years, 40 years ago who happen to have black skin, but that doesn't matter. If the message is right, it's right. You ought to listen to it. It's not about the, content, the color of the skin. It's about the content of the character. So now, that's not progressive. It's, it's regressive. It's racist to go backward. If the same thing happened over and over again, again, like I said, whether it was Russia, whether it was Hitler, whether it was you know Chairman Mao, whether it was Pol Pot, that's just how it goes. Okay, so enough said about that. As Solomon said, there's nothing new under the sun. But Christian men and men everywhere are listening. And they need to understand this. And this is why I bring all that up, because that's just fresh in the culture. It too shall pass. The aim of what's to come is not to divide up people by race or social economic status. Beloved, listen to me. Once the church is taken out of here, then families are going to be divided up. It wasn't that long ago in Germany, when you went to the state school, if your mom and dad let you watch Captain uh, Kangaroo, the communist government come into your house and, and you lost your family. And your kids would get re-educated and it was over. They, that fear and intimidation was fracturing families. And that was just kind of like a precursor. That was just like a little preview of what's yet to come. And really, beloved, what, all, all that stands between that today is people who believe the Word of God. People who understand who the Father in Heaven is and how He views people in love. The aim of what is to come is not only to divide you from your neighbor who may not look like you, but to divide you so Satan can take control of society when the church is gone. Now you say, well, Brian, that sounds like a conspiracy theory. Yeah, it does. Just read the Bible. You either believe it or you don't. Now, if you don't think the preaching of God's word and the adherence to Hebrews 10.25 is important, which is, you know, forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is, just look at what's occurring in our society. Since we deemed coming together 
as non-essential. Now, I don't think anyone in the church really deems coming together as non-essential. That's why you're here today. There's still risk, by the way, being here. We're taking a risk. But God calls the church at times to take a risk at times. Because, man, there's things going on in the third heaven. There's things going on that are so important that, man, it, it is worth a risk. Because we're not, God's not playing. He really wants to redeem the world. He really wants to fix the problems. And he already has brought the solution, and it is in his son, Jesus Christ. And so I'm not saying not to be safe. I actually encourage you to be safe and to respect all of those things. But while lost man struggles to find justice through injustice, God allowed his son to be unjustly killed in our place for our sin so that we might be reconciled to him. Because God the Father is a God of love. And so, beloved, I'm not here this morning to make a bunch of political remarks. That's not at all what I want to do. I'm here to make biblical remarks. I'm telling you how important the message is because if we're left to ourselves without the aid of the Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God, we would simply, this is what the church will do, they will circle the wagons, and all they will focus on is the family. But you know what? God hasn't called us to just focus on the family. No disrespect to Mr. Dobson and all those family ministries. Those are great things. But the reality is, is, is the job of men and fathers is to take care of the business of equipping the family, to equip the family, to gird up the loins of the mind, to go to work, to go out, to address the things that need to be addressed. I mean, we went out taking it to the streets a few weeks ago, a handful of us. But, I mean, we need to be literally taking it to the streets, don't we, Pat? We need to be getting out in the streets. We need to be getting out at work. We need to be getting out and sharing the gospel. The first thing on our mind needs to be the Father's agenda. Because that's what's going to make a difference in the world in which we live. It's not circling up the wagons, but, but actually putting ourselves in a posture where we're equipping ourselves in the Word of God to accomplish the mission of God in the power of God for the glory of God because that is literally what's going to take the, the take, uh, give God the Father glory. Let's just start there. Let's just give God glory and do the mission of God that He left us with because that's what fathers need to do. They need to do that in their home and they need to do that in their church and they need to do that in their job and they need to do that in their community. And everybody that does that, men that do that, will have people following them. It will affect their family. That doesn't mean every son's going to follow. That doesn't mean every daughter's going to follow. Not a third of the angels didn't follow, follow the Father in heaven because they listened to what the devil had to say. But that doesn't mean you give up on what God says. That means you hold fast to the faithful word as you've been taught and you go forward in faith. Now, let's get into our outline because i got to get done. So this morning we're t- talking about the heart of a father. I want to leave you with, three, with a couple things here to consider. Actually, four points. The heart of a father. Uh, they say the fruit doesn't fall from, fall from the tree, does it? So if, if this is the case, according to 1 John chapter 3, which we're not going to look at, but it tells us, Behold... What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the what? Sons of God. That applies to you ladies too. Isn't that crazy? So we even believe in transgender. No, we don't really, but you know what I'm saying. So, so there is a man living inside of you and his name is Christ. If you're born again, you are, you are a new creature in Christ. And so, so literally, we are the sons of God. We're the sons of God. And, and our image should look more and more like God the Father's image with each and every passing day. So point one, the heart of the Father is love. Yeah, it is. Heart of the Father is love. That's not just a New Testament principle. That's an Old Testament truth. Back in Malachi chapter 1 and verse 2. 
The Bible tells us in verse 1, he says, I, God declares this. He says, I have loved you. Not will love you. I have already loved you. Again, we can apply this today because in the church we can see the, say the same thing. Before we were born, God had loved us by giving us his son. Praise God. And so the father, point A, the father wants his children to know he loves them. God declares this. This is the first thing he says is, I love you. That's what he declares to his kids, to his children Israel. That's what he declares to the church is, I love you. He wants them to know that. Good father, you know what? Your children need to know you love them. By the way, he tells them that regardless of their bad behavior. He tells them he loves them even though they haven't been obedient, even though they're squandering all the resources that he's given them. A good father loved us before we were even born. He sent forth his son to provide our way to escape. Point B, the father revealed his love through his provision. In Deuteronomy 4.37, the Bible says in it, And because he loved thy fathers, there's that word fathers again, which is the same fathers being talked about in Malachi, therefore he chose their seed after them and brought thee out in the sight of his mighty power out of Egypt to drive out nations before thee greater and mightier than thou art to bring thee in to give thee their land for an inheritance as it is to uh, this day. Now, can we again, we can literally say that again. Like you, that happened in Exodus. It happened again in, in, in the, in, uh, as they came out of Babylon. And then it happened again in 1948. If you're Jewish and you're watching me, let me tell you something. God loves you and Jesus is the Messiah. Amen. He has brought you into a land and he is going to fulfill the prophecies. You need to, to wake up. A good earthly father will provide for his children as God provides the people, the promised land. Now, practically speaking, we don't worry about land because we're, we're after a spiritual kingdom, the kingdom of God. Our inheritance is spiritual. It's in heaven. Our inheritance is in Christ. We're preaching on that in Ephesians. All spiritual blessings in heavenly places. Emphasis on spiritual blessings in heavenly places. In Christ. Right? That's, that's our reward. The Odysseans get that upside down and they invest in gold, silver, and things that are on the earth instead of the gold and silver that are in heaven. All right, so we get all that. Now, now a good father provides. In 1 Timothy, Paul writes to his son in the Lord, Timothy, and he says, but if any provide not for his own, he's talking to men that are fathers, especially, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith and is worse than an infidel. I mean, he's worse than a lost man. There are some men that claim to be saved, but they act like they're lost. Why? Because they do not provide for their family. Now, most men are like, <clears throat> yeah, I'll provide. I go to work. I send my check. I do whatever. Hey, you know what? Another thing we need to provide men, we need to provide content of character. You know why there's a lot of people out, out here in the world today all messed up on their identity and they don't know which group to side up with? Because their fathers have not helped them identify with God the Father. Because if you're born again, that's where you find your identity. You don't find it in an ethnicity and all that. Oh, we all have different backgrounds and all that. There's nothing wrong with whatever your hyphen is. Praise the Lord. But the reality is, if you're born again, you're a new creature in Christ. That is your identity. You're not identifying with the last Adam and his race, or the first Adam and his race. We're identifying with the last Adam and his resurrected race. And that's where we're headed. Praise God for that. So most men, every, even lost men, Lost men show their love through provision. Fathers, what are we going to leave our children? You know, house and 40 acres, that's great. 
Man, but you know what we need to leave is a love for God and for his word and appreciating his promises. That's what, that'll be passed by God's grace to not just your children, but to your grandchildren and your great-grandchildren. Point C, God the Father reveals his love is gracious and without merit, even in the Old Testament. Even in the Old Testament, Deuteronomy chapter 7 and verse 7, the Bible says, The Lord did not set his love upon you, nor choose you, because you were more in number than any people. For ye were the fewest of all people. I didn't choose you because you were strong. I chose you because you were weak. I didn't choose you because you earned it, that you, you deserved it. I chose you because I just want to show people how I can use the weak things to confound the wise. In verse 8 of Deuteronomy chapter 7, he says, But because the Lord loved you, and because he would keep the oath which he had sworn unto your fathers, hath the Lord brought you out with a mighty hand and redeemed you out of the house of bondmen from the hand of Pharaoh, king of Egypt. Know therefore that the Lord thy God, he is God, the faithful God, which keepeth covenant and mercy with them that love him and keep his commandments to a thousand generations. And God the Father reveals, reveals that his love is gracious and without merit, even in the Old Testament. It wasn't because Israel deserved his love, it's because he chose to love them. You know, God doesn't need our love. He really doesn't. He's self-sufficient in the Godhead. He doesn't need any of this, but he still wants us. And the reason he loves us is because his love for us is what is in our best interest. We'll never really know how to love others, especially our family, until and unless we understand the love of the Father for us. And I, and I just said something there. Because there's a lot of dysfunction. The devil's already attacked a lot of people in this room. And that word dysfunction is a popular word in our, in our vernacular today. And there's a dysfunction in relationship with God the Father because the devil will beat you to it and put some dysfunction with your earthly father. Now, some of you, how many, don't, I don't want to know the negative. How many can say, man, I had a good earthly father? Amen. Several of you. I can. I'm raising my hand. I can. I had a good earthly father. Doesn't mean they're, everyone's sinlessly perfect, but I, I at least got an example of what a man looks like and a man that loves his, his wife and loves his kids and will go to war for him, you know, if need be. And so, praise the Lord. You need to be thankful for that. A lot of people don't have that. A lot of people are hesitant. Well, I don't want to dishonor him, but eh, you're on the bus. You know, that's a shame. It's a shame. We'll never really know how to love others, especially our family, until and unless we understand the love of the Father for us. I used to ask my son and my daughter when they were little. I don't know why I don't do this much more anymore, but I used to say, um, why does Daddy love you? You remember me asking you that? And so, you know what I, t- what, what I would tell them? There's no reason. There's no reason Daddy loves you. I, I just love you. Doesn't matter what you do good, doesn't matter what you do bad. Daddy's always going to love you. Now, that doesn't mean there aren't consequences, right? The sin, so on and so forth. But that's another discussion. Because I love them, I discipline them. But I never going to, I never would not love my children. All right, so God the Father's love is multiplied in our life, point D, when we honor his word. When we honor his word. In Deuteronomy 7, that same chapter goes on to say, Wherefore, it shall come to pass, if ye hearken to these judgments, and keep and do them, that the Lord thy God shall keep unto thee the covenant and the mercy which he sware unto to thy fathers. He's like, now, I love you unconditionally. I didn't call you out. It's not merited. 
But I'm saying to bless you so you can be entrusted with everything I have for you, you need to obey my words. And he will love thee and bless thee and multiply thee. And he will also bless the fruit of thy womb and the fruit of thy land and the corn and the wine and thine oil and thine increase and thine kind and thine flocks and the sheep in the land which he swear unto thy fathers to give thee. You see, the children of Israel were blaming God because they had bad marriages. They had bad finances. They had all these bad things, but yet God had set them up for success. The problem was they didn't honor their father, and it messed up everything. They, they put money in their pocket, and it was like holes going through it. It wasn't that they didn't have money. It's just they, they couldn't retain anything. They weren't being blessed. Why? Because they had a bad attitude toward the father. And by the way, when you have a bad attitude toward the father, you have a bad attitude toward authority. Because he's the author. They didn't like what God had ordered. God had to remind them in Malachi they had misplaced priorities. This is exactly what the Spirit says to the church of Laodicea in Revelation chapter 3. Today. That's not somewhere yet future. That's today. When God writes the last church in Revelation chapter 3, what's he talking about? You have misplaced priorities, church of Laodicea. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. I'm getting ready to open it. You need to get ready. You need to get ready. You need to go back and listen to what the Father, small f, said. You need to remember the relationship with the Father. And you need to claim the promises because he's already brought his son. You think Israel had something that they were entrusted to. Man, if you're born again and you're a member of the local New Testament church, you got the Spirit of God and you listen, beloved. We've got the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. We have the solution for every problem that you see blasted across the media. Left, right, middle, center. I don't care where it is. The answer is Jesus Christ and the gospel. And it is an identity issue. People need to identify with sin so they can understand their Savior and identify with Christ through His shed blood so they can understand who their Father in heaven is. It's about love, man. God loved the world. He gave His only begotten Son. Statistically, 25% of the children in our nation are not being raised by their biological fathers or any father. Single parenthood is on the rise by both men and women, meaning children are being orphaned. That doesn't mean children of single parents, by the way, are destined to fail. Amen, amen. They're not. What that tells you, beloved, is that, that literally as a church, we've got to realize that we've got to talk about this subject. We don't need to, I mean, there's a lot of things we can talk about. We need to understand that people are losing their identity with masculinity. They're, learning, they're losing the identity with who God is. Why? Because God the Father, the authority that comes from on high that loves you and gave his son for you is not being proclaimed like it needs to be. It's being boxed out. And it's our job to get it where it needs to go, on time. So we've we got to get this thing because it's so important. And, and, I'm not, and I'm not telling you it's going to get easier. I'm telling you it's actually going to get worse before it gets better. But in the meantime, what do we got to do? We've got to get after it because that's what God's called men to do. That's what God has called fathers to do. And that's why I'm talking to fathers this morning. But I'm talking to everybody who it hits. If you, if you, and I'm not beating up on dads, by the way. I'm actually empathizing with all fathers. Because you're living in a time where it's tougher. It's going to get tougher to be a father. But you need, it's a time when we've got to buckle down and be more of a father. Because that's, that's, that's that authority that's needed in our culture. If you, if you do a word study in the Old Testament, you'll find that God designed the law throughout the law. Just If you do a word study on widow and fatherless, you will find occurrence after occurrence after occurrence and occurrence 
where God puts in the law, hey, leave, leave that there for the widows and the fatherless. Leave that there for the widows and the fatherless. Hey, now leave that corner there for the widows and the fatherless. No, no, don't take all of it. Leave a little there. Leave handfuls of purpose. For the, why? Because he's always got a heart. God's got a heart for the widows and the fatherless. If you're sitting, this is, again, identity. You're like, man, Brian, I, have a, I wasn't raised with a good dad. I don't know how to be a good dad. I've never had a good parent. I don't have a good mom or a good dad. You maybe feel orphaned almost. Listen, this is what I want to tell you today. Man, this solution's for you too. Because God the Father has a plan. He even has a family. It's called the local New Testament church. He has everything that you need to be whole. That's why we're talking about wholeness and holiness. We're not talking about some superficial standard of righteousness. We're talking about when you get Christ's righteousness, he makes you whole. Whoo, hallelujah. So you don't have to be, listen to me carefully, you do not have to be a victim. You don't have to be. That's a choice you decide to make. But if you're born again, you are a victor. Your identity is victory. Your identity is wholeness. Your identity is truth. Your identity is righteousness. Your identity is is blessing. So point E, the hope of the world in every dispensation and age is found in the love of the Father's, capital F, Father's love for the world and the Son's love for the Father. It can be summarized very simply in a verse that most of us know, John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. The whosoever, the orphan, the widow, the widowed, the fatherless, whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. I want to give, the Father in heaven says, you know what, I want to give the most desperate souls the most abundant blessing i want to give them eternal life and i choose to do that through my son the one who will never leave me or forsake me you want to see blessing it may not look jesus life didn't look too good didn't it It looked like hurt suffering sacrifice but you know what he believed the father in heaven he said you know what uh not my will but thine be done i will do this even though i despise it I'm going to do this because I know my father's going to reward me because my father is good. And now the Bible tells us in Philippians 2 that he is seated above all at the right hand of the father. He is above all principality, all power, all... Hey, listen, don't doubt the character of God. Even if you're going through it and it don't feel good, do the right thing. Why? Because God will bless you. You have a good father. But sometimes to get the good news where it needs to go, it doesn't feel good. And then there's a reminder in verse 17 that says, For God sent not his son in the world to condemn the world, Though that's popular, going to become increasingly the narrative that is put against the church, that we want to condemn, that we want to have a standard of righteousness no one can meet, that we're going to hate people. No, that's not the case at all. Actually, we love people. We love people because God first loved us. For God sent not his Son in the world to condemn the world, but that the world through him might be saved. Now, let me get you to the second point here. The heart of the fathers is in the heart of the Father is healing. In Malachi 4.2, the Bible says, But unto you that fear my name shall the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in his wings, and he shall go forth and grow up as the calves of the stall. You know, every day the Lord reminds the world that the healing will come through the Lord Jesus Christ as the sun rises and you see a picture of the Lord Jesus Christ coming back at his second coming. In the coming tribulation, when the world is at its darkest and divisions are going to be incredibly bad, the things that you're even sensing right now, and the families are going to be fractured, pitting children against parents, the world will be at its darkest as the Antichrist uses technology to divide the nuclear family. But you know what? Praise God, Jesus is coming. 
and the son of righteousness will rise, and healing's going to come. So praise God for an obedient son, the son who loved his father so much that he would go to any length to obey him. And his father says, you know what? You're the, you're the answer. A son emanated, the son emanates the glorious love of the father to a lost and dying world. The day of wrath for some will be the day of hope and healing for others who trust in the promise of the coming Lord Jesus Christ. Now, for those of us that are here today, that promise is already ours if we're saved. So point three, the, the heart of the Father is not just healing, it's helping. Not just healing, but helping. In, in Luke chapter 11, you guys know the story here. It says, and, and, and I say unto you, ask and it shall be given. You seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened unto you. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth. And to him that knocketh, it shall be opened. If any man shall ask bread of you <clears throat> that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks fish, will he give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer a scorpion? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit unto them that ask him? I was just in Jeff's class this morning listening. You know, he brought this very thing up. You know, sometimes we have not, well, because we ask not. That's what James chapter 4 says. And, you know, have you, you have not because you ask not. Many today are, are not receiving because, well, they're not asking. You don't get saved without asking. You don't get prayers answered unless you offer them. We're both commanded and encouraged to ask the Lord for provision and intercession because God wants to bless us to be a blessing. Man, the most praying people in the room ought to be fathers. Now, it's usually the moms and the grandmas, but it ought to be dads. Because God wants us to be a blessing. That doesn't mean we ask for things to consume them upon our lusts. That's, that's what the children of Israel were doing at the time of Malachi and at the time when Jesus came. But God wants us to be whole in holiness and approach his throne in thanksgiving and praise, calling upon him whether we know what to ask or not. Hebrews 4.16 says, Let us therefore come boldly under the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. When you're needy, man, God's listening. And then 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says, Pray without ceasing. I could go on with verse after verse about praying, praying, praying. But you guys know God is, is listening. He's a father that's listening. I probably don't listen sometimes like I should to my kids, so forgive me if I don't. Wherever my daughter's at, there. She would definitely say that. So anyway... Dad's got a lot of things on his mind. But you know what? I think both of my kids like it when I listen. If you're a dad, and that's practical, man. Maybe if you need to listen more, you should start praying more. Maybe dad's not praying enough. The more I pray, the more I'll listen. Like they say, you got two ears, one mouth. There are some families and some homes, including church homes, that need to hear what the Spirit's saying. Praying's only profitable. When we're praying God's word, praying God's will. God's not interested. I mean, really, we need to line our hearts, especially men, line our hearts up with the word of God. If our hearts aren't aligned with the word of God, then what are we asking for? A new jet ski, a boat, you know? I mean, there's nothing wrong with the boat. God will direct you on that. But God wants us to ask for so much more than that. A house? Okay. 40 acres? Okay, what? But let's get to the stuff that really matters. How about souls? How about things that are going to advance the kingdom of God in your own family, in the church, in the community, in the country? Can we ask God for that? Hey, God, could you bring a, a solution? Could you bring 
a, a solution in the culture right now. Let's not believe it's over. Let's just preach the gospel and trust that you will get it done. Let's see victory right now until you come. Let's just ask him for that. Why? Because it needs to be done, and men need to be asking, and so do women and so do children. Okay, so the heart of the Father is love, it's healing, it's helping, but it's also the heart of the Father is reconciling. In Luke 15, 20, the Bible speaks to that great picture we see of the prodigal son. You know, I'm not going to read all that for time's sake, but you know the prodigal son's father didn't sell the farm and move off. I just had someone today talking about, you know, Brian, you, you're kind of steadfast. Well, I hope that's a reflection. I hope that's a reflection of the father. And you know what? It's easy for me to be steadfast because I know my father in heaven steadfast, but I also had a physical father that was steadfast. I've had a lot of examples. I've had men in this church like Joe Sparks wheeling up in here with incredible pain from his, his, uh, his physical problems, coming to church fist pumping just to encourage us all. That's steadfast. I've seen pictures of steadfast. You say, I thought I had a bad day. Then I look out in the congregation, see these folks, that, man, they're having a really bad life. It, it's about over, right? You know, Walt shuffling around, still coming. People coming in difficult times. Dorothy Thompson, you encourage me. Man, you come in here, and every week, she's the first one in the door as soon as we open. I'm like, whoa, Dorothy, are you sure? Be careful, you know, because we don't want to see you get ill or anything like that. Man, God brings people to encourage us. God's a God of reconciliation. He's got a heart. In Luke 15, 20, the Bible says, And he arose and came to his father, but when he was yet a great way off. Now he's talking about the prodigal son, the guy who took all of his inheritance, and he went out and he just wasted it. And maybe you came this morning and you're like, Brian, I've just wasted it. I've wasted my opportunity. I've wasted the knowledge. I was brought up in a Christian home. I've never followed the Lord like I ought. I know all the answers, but I don't do them. And I allow my flesh to control me. Well, guess what? Today's a good day to change that. The Father's still waiting, and He's still good. The text in Luke 15, 20 says, But when He was yet a great way off, if you just turn and start coming, His Father saw Him and had compassion and ran and fell on His neck and kissed Him. Man, that Father's love, it didn't matter that He'd been living with the pigs. It didn't matter that all the other things that He did. Why? Because the Father, what comes emanates from the Father is grace. Because the father can handle all that. He was more concerned about his son's heart. And the father didn't see a guy sleeping in the pigsty. He didn't see all the sin that the guy had been involved in. He didn't see all the money that he had wasted. Which he did all of those things. And he was a mess. But what the father saw was a heart that could be reconciled. And man, the father didn't, he just takes out running to him. And he met him where he was at. And he kissed him, man. He embraced him. Whoo! That's powerful, fathers. The father didn't move his address. He didn't sell the farm and move off. He stayed right where he was at, waiting. When's he coming? I'm going to be here. A buddy of mine, he's a pastor. He's in the ministry. He's got that situation. One of his kids has been hurt in the church and is and carnal, you know, used as an excuse to live a carnal life. And then another son is just carnal because <laughs> he's, you know, followed the devil's line or what have you. But he told me one day, he says, uh, I'm not moving. I'm not moving. He keeps serving the Lord. He's just waiting. His men, these are men. These aren't boys. His kids are adults. You know, he's doing, he's just staying there waiting for the day they come home. 
Guys, I've seen men in this church. I, there's young men I've grown up with that have gone off like the prodigal, and I pray for those boys. And they may go out in the world, and they may look rough, and they look terrible. They may go through a lot. They may come back all messed up. But I tell you what, there's nothing better than when they do finally come around, man, and the father hasn't moved an inch. He's right where he was, and he still loves them. Now, if you want to run your kids off, don't love them, and they'll never come home. But if you love them, even if they leave, they'll come back. Come back to the Lord, that is. You know, you know how the story ends with, the, with this situation, right? The, the brother who was obedient, who did everything right, well, he's jealous. He's like, Dad, I mean, you're spending a lot of money on this jack leg. I mean, come on, man. You're getting into my inheritance now. Dad, don't, what, what are you doing? I mean, I've been here the whole time. You haven't thrown me a party? Sometimes the church gets like that. Well, why do we spend all this money trying to reach everybody else? What about us? What about us? Listen, listen, we don't need buildings. We don't need property. We need Jesus. We don't need all that. What we need is Jesus Christ, the word of God, going to a world that's lost. That's what makes the Father happy. Why? Because we have everything in heaven. Thank you for the property. Thank you for the building. Don't get me wrong. I'm not ungrateful. I may come across that way. I'm just a little passionate at times. Because I want our heart to be the heart of the fathers. And we got what we need. We got eternity. We got the word. We got each other, man. How awesome is that? Now we need to go. And we see people that are ready to come to the father. We need to run. We need to run to them. Can't go too soon. All you can do is give an opportunity to know you love them. They got to come. They got to turn. They got to ask. Man, we got to go. We got to go. We're told to. If you're not about the love of God, then your knowledge of God isn't going to profit you much. That, that other son, it, did, it didn't matter. That, that story's incredible because you would have thought that the prodigal was the bad boy, but it ends up the people with. The people like the church of Laodicea that thought that they had everything they needed were missing one thing. And that was a heart for their father. And at the end of the day, that's all the father was looking for. Is who loves me? Like I love you. Do you love me? God has given Christians the means to reflect this heart. In 2 Corinthians 5.18, the Bible says... And all things are of God who have reconciled us to himself by Jesus Christ and have given us the ministry of reconciliation to wit that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them and hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. What does that mean? He has not only given us the ministry, the, 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 the service of going out and reconciling, but he's given us a way to do it. It is the word. It's the same thing that Malachi was reminding in his reminders. Hey, don't forget the word. Don't forget the promises that you've been given. Now get after it and go forward. God has reconciled us so we can reconcile others. The Father has committed unto us the word and the ministry of reconciliation. So the heart of the Father is it's love. It, it's, it's healing. It's helping. It's reconciliation. In Matthew chapter 4 and verse 6, it prophesies a day when the children of Israel are reconciled to the long-awaiting promises of their fathers. 
and the prophets. And God's word will be fulfilled just as it was said. And so the Old Testament ends, it ends with a warning and a curse. I mean, that verse I just read to you is, is like a, it's kind of like throwing down and saying, hey, uh, and he shall turn the heart of the fathers to the children and the heart of the children to the fathers, lest I come and smite the earth with a curse. That's kind of heavy. But I can't help but miss the con- give you the contrast. Because, beloved, we're in the New Testament. And because of that son... You know what the last verses in our Bible, of the New Testament say? The last verses of the Bible. It closes. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. What a comfort. And what a grace. God's love for us. His love for us is revealed in His Son. And it's already happened. But right now we live in a time where people have forgotten it. Well, we don't expect lost people to get that. But in the church, in the church, no, we cannot forget. We cannot forget the love of the Father for us through his Son. It's already written and it's revealed. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Amen. Heavenly Father, I thank you and praise you for this time to come.